Chuck and Julie, bringing you the truth straight up. I'm Julie Hayden. I'm working at- An Emmy-winning former investigative reporter, a highly successful trial attorney, and publisher of a major Denver area newspaper. They've been partners as talk show hosts and in marriage as parents for over 10 years, providing thought-provoking information, opinion, and entertainment live, local, and interactive. Everyone's voice is always welcome on The Chuck and Julie Show. Well, hello, everybody. Chuck Bono, Julie Hayden here on a Wednesday. True straight up. The Chuck and Julie show brought to you by AmericasCitizenPress.com. Great conservative website and Denver Senegenics and Dr. Julie McCallan. Well, quite some day on the Merrick Garland hearing in the Senate, which we'll talk about later in the show, where the uh, AG and former federal circuit court judge got roasted. Alive. That's right. Um, I don't think he cares that much. He's just like, he's, no, he he's, cares. Well, I mean, it, I mean, it probably he, wasn't fine. He, he was always considered he's going to go on the Supreme Court. And, and you know, the one thing about judges that get very used to being just That's true. lionized and, and everything no else. And now everybody's saying, Attacking let's fumigate the chair. And should resign in disgrace. Um, we got Greg Lopez, um, GOP candidate for governor, coming up here as soon as we get him on the phone. All kinds of things to talk to him about. I'll say this for Greg. He is indeed fighting the fight. Um, you've got the state talking about uh, vaccine mandates. You've talk, got the state talking about saying everyone has to wear a mask again. We've, we'll talk to him about this Douglas County ruling where a federal judge cites the science on the mask. There is no science on the masks. Um, well, there is, and it shows they're useless and they hurt kids more than they help them. But anyway, uh, overrode the will of the uh, parents, the school board, the superintendent, and and a bunch of... Not the school board. The school board is very much in Democrats' hands. It it contradicted Uh, the the county... The county... The health department is, in particular, the health department overrode the the school is just the school board is just thrilled. But, but, but I guess what I mean though is there are individual schools oh, and sure. with their boards, right? That that um, uh, are yeah, there are that are they're involved in various things. So I want to talk about that and also just let you know we've got Ken Raposa. He's an industry analyst from the Coalition for a Prosperous America. Uh, Going to explain to us why Brandon there really is a supply chain crisis. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we got Greg with us right now. Hey, Greg, thank you once again. For your time appreciate it hey julie and chuck it's great to be on your show of course anytime thank you so i wanted to start off with i know i've been seeing your name in news releases and things like that um fighting the good fight it sounds like you've got a lot of stuff coming up and maybe just let me ask you about that lately in terms of you know essentially fighting for individual freedom and rights in colorado against vaccine and mask mandates and lockdowns and all of that why don't you tell us some of the stuff you're you're getting involved in you know, isn't it crazy the world we live in today? It's like it's all upside down. You know, just last night I was at the Douglas County School Board talking about how wrong it is for them to um, mandate that 64,000 children have to wear masks when the Douglas County Board of Health said it should be optional for the parents because the science shows that, you know, it's not going to impact those kids. And so, I was there talking, and it's amazing, Julie and Chuck, to see members of the school board, you know, treat adults the way they were treating them. The chair went as far as saying that it was, uh, he felt threatened and it was disruptive (laughs) to to have someone wave an American flag that was probably the size of a, you know, five inches wide by six inches long on a little stick. Well, and, you know, here's the thing, though, Greg, we all know the reality behind that. And we'll play the Tom Cotton Garland Merritt um, quotes of sound bites later. But I mean, this is all this is my belief. And what do you think? But the teachers unions worry that all of a sudden parents have woken up and they're like, what the heck are you teaching our kids? And stop it. Right. And they don't want, as they made it clear, parents don't have anything to say. And so they have this psyop operation between the Department of Justice, the school board associations, and then the, the, the Department of Justice in the White House to say to start calling parents domestic terrorists. So that's I think that's their key phrase. So they do that. No, it's like, oh, I feel threatened. So we better get the FBI in here. Exactly. Look, we all know, at least those of us that are really watching and have the ability to have cognitive thinking are seeing that you let there's an end game here. And their agenda is a dark agenda because everything that, you know, 
we used to believe through the Constitution of free speech, freedom of religion, freedom of assembly, freedom to petition the government, you know, and free elections and fair elections, all that stuff is being thrown out the window. You know, and so I've been helping with the election integrity. I've been talking to those folks. I've been trying to see what I can do to help. I can tell you this. One of the first things I'm going to do as the next governor of Colorado is I'm going to start repealing a lot of the stuff that they've been pushing through. Too many people believe, Julian Chuck, that once a law, always a law. That's not necessarily true. We can repeal laws. We can put them back in the front of the public. Let the public redecide. We could sun, we could put sunshine laws on them. We can do all kinds of things to make sure that we're not stuck with bad legislation for the rest of our lives. But so I'm going to be up in uh, in Fort Collins on Monday at a rally, you know, protesting against the Larimer County Public Health Department because they're trying to, from my perspective, they're trying to force segregation on us. Those of us that choose not to be vaccinated uh, because we've already had it and we have our normal immune system has already been able to fight it off. You know, now they're saying, well, for restaurants and businesses up in Larimer County, if you can prove that 95 percent of your customers in your building have been vaccinated, uh, then you don't have to follow any of the restrictions that we are placing out there. No masks, no social distancing, none of that stuff. And so what does that mean? That means that, you know, now businesses are going to be able to tell you, no, you can't come into their door if you don't have a vaccine passport, you know? Well, let me ask and you so, about this. Is that, this go, go ahead. No, I was going to say, you know, they're bringing, they're, they're taking us backwards to the worst time in our history where segregation, you know, we used to have right. racial segregation and that was wrong. Now we have segregation between the vaccinated and the unvaccinated and that's Okay. You know, before long, if we're not careful, those of us that have been naturally immune and didn't get the vaccine, we're going to have to ride a separate bus or drink from a separate water fountain. Well, and here's the thing. It's no longer you got the original shot, you got the secondary shot, you got the third shot. Now they're recommending a fourth shot. And I don't know, you're going to have to get yourself shot up about every other week. Well, I hear this is from Jacob yep. is commenting in our comment section. Why not a COVID antibody passport? Because, Jacob, they don't want to talk about that. They want to make money for the pharmaceutical companies while they're doing this. So you got to get your shots. Well, and I think, let me ask you, oh, I want to point out in honor of our friend Michael Tao, who always says this, this is all over a virus that 99.999% of the people recover from completely completely and totally. It's not, this is not something that is a massive danger to 99.999% of the people. So what about the, you know, you work with small businesses and let me ask you this, Greg, if you're a business though, I mean, I got to imagine I would be annoyed if I'm a small business owner. It's been a heck of a tough year. The supply chain is a mess. And now I have to once again start policing the people who are coming into my business to spend money. I mean, that seems like we're hitting businesses again before they've barely had a chance to recover. Well, that's, that's probably the that's point. That's true. Look, Julie, look, there, there is a sinister agenda here because at the end of the day, I'm being the former director of SBA the Small Business Administration for the state of Colorado, I know how valuable small businesses are to our economy, to our Main Street, to every community. And you're absolutely correct. The first time the governor shut down over 600,000 small businesses with a stroke of a pen, 30% of them die. They'll never come back. And the other uh, remaining 60% are struggling. They're just struggling. A lot of them have used all their savings a lot of them have used everything to just stay, keep their doors open, hoping that once again there'd be an opportunity to live that American dream. You know, the black community, the Hispanic community, you know, rural Colorado, these are the areas that when you shut down small business, they struggle just to get back because they don't have the volume. Right. And so I'm, I'm, my biggest concern right now that I'm starting to see based on what I'm hearing and everything that's going on, you know, the governor's going to shut us down again. He's going to do exactly what he did last time, because if you notice, now Colorado is considered the hot spot in the nation. Well, and, that's know, all... and it's based on these numbers. 
Yeah, they, they it's, don't it, make sense. Baloney. Exactly. It's all baloney. Well, let me ask you this. And tell me what are you hearing from people? Uh, you know, because before the show started, I was saying to Chuck, I think we have reached a point where, okay, we all went along last time, but now it's like, no, just, it's just like, I'm not going to comply. Nope. Not going to send my kid to school with a mask. Nope. Not going to have my kid get a vaccine. Nope. I'm not going to go into your business and wear a mask. And if I own a business, I'm not going to enforce your stupid mask mandate. I mean, is it just me or are there other people like that out there? No, look, there's tons of people that are feeling the same sentiments that you are and rightfully so. You know, we have a governor in a state that is really creating chaos. Look, we're in crisis mode across every front. We have a homeless crisis mess. We have an education crisis. We have a supply chain crisis. We have an inflationary crisis. Everywhere we look, we have a labor crisis. You know, everything that we looked at, there's a crisis everywhere. You know, and it's to me, it's purposely being driven because the so-called science that they're yeah. claiming, you know, when you look at the science and you look at the numbers, it's all upside down. We now live in a state, in a nation, where they want us to only live on half-truths. They won't tell us the other side of the equation, like you just said. How come right. they're not saying, hey, 99.9% of the people that get sick from COVID are going to live? So don't worry about it. You know, right. just be careful. You right. know, they don't want to tell us that. We're, we're talking with Greg Lopez, who's a candidate uh, for governor. I'm neutral on the matter, although in, in a few weeks, a couple of weeks, he'll approve the maps and I'll be uh, uh, redistricted out of my position <laughs> on the executive committee. Which, uh, which uh, Then I can make all the recommendations that I want. They're going to be sorry that they uh, districted you in uh, and they're, they're going to be sorry that they districted you out. out. But they, the, the board president is David Ray and he called Kane's ruling a win for families with high-risk medical conditions and said no one will have to choose between sending their children to school and risking their health. As Julie points out, putting a mask on a kid all day is a risk to their health. Uh, Judge Kane, who was 84 years old, was appointed by Jimmy Carter back in 1977. Um, and, and he's decided that, that um, and these high-risk students uh, have a right to force everyone else to wear masks and quarantines and everything else um, under the Americans with Disability Act. Uh, as a practical matter, why wouldn't that apply to the flu, the regular right. flu? Because that also or kills. Strep throat. A, or, well, kills kills some or pink eye or pink eye or anything else. I mean, why shouldn't we? Why shouldn't under the Americans with Disability Act force them into hazmat suits and they could all walk around in hazmat suits? I mean, the, the well, arrogant... to your point, Chuck. Look to your point, right? It's double speak. I mean, they're talking out of both ends. I mean, what about the what about the child? You know, that's going to get mental health issues or the child that, you know, just can't seem to focus because of this diaper that they're asking to wear on their mouth. You know, if it's such a uh, if it's such helpful, how come they're not saying masks are biohazards? You know, because if they're stopping all this covid and it's all very contagious, how come they're not telling you to throw it away? You know, wear gloves. If the masks work, why don't they say, well, my kid will wear a mask then. If a mask works, my kid will be safe, right? I mean, by, by exactly. I mean, that's the bottom Look, line. Either masks work or they don't. And if they work, then you don't need the other kids to wear a mask if you're wearing one. And if you look at the numbers, right, look at the science. You know, And I tell people, okay, let's talk about the science. Let's look at this. You know, how many people under the age of 18 have actually died? Right. And what is the percentage of that? You know, and so when you look at the numbers, you know, last night that we're sharing in Douglas County, 64,000 students, not one single person has died from COVID. Uh, they're the age of 18 in the schools. The one that they did believe had died from COVID, later on they found out they died from cancer. Well, yeah, exactly. And, and so, I, I mean, it goes back to, I think, the point you made earlier, and that is, it's about control and we are, and that's why I can say I endorse you. Um, That's why we need people like you who will speak out because it's about control and they have the control. They, they hoodwinked us into giving it to them. And, and we need people like you to stand up for people who say, no, we want our say back. Like you said, 
If you don't yeah. want to be a school board member and listen to what parents <laughs> have to say, then don't run for school board, right? And um, Look, if, if yeah, you- exactly. And here's here's what's happening: administrative power is what they're utilizing. You know, sure. the Constitution gives us due process, and the Constitution says that you must be breaking a law, you know, in order for someone to force you to do something. And the only person that can tell you whether you're breaking the law or not should be the the justice system, right? Where does it say that the health department can force people to behave in a certain way, you know, without us having due process? In other right. words, show us the evidence, all of it. But I still have the right, because I haven't broken the law. You know, these, right. these executive orders, they're not laws. And I, I will challenge Governor Polis all day long. And he can run circles around himself because he'll be chasing his tail. Because at the end of the day, if these are laws, then why is it that when I become governor, I can erase all of them? That's right. Well, and this, is from, and this is from Dr. Donna. She said the suicide crisis among our, especially um, how many high risk, oh, this is a question, how many high risk students were there in Douglas County? Well, there were nine parents, as I understand it. And what's high risk to COVID mean? I mean, that means anything. Right. Uh, you, your kid's a little overweight. Your kid has asthma. Your kid has medical conditions. I mean, that's self-determinative that you're quote unquote well, high risk. And again, it has nothing to do. And we all know this with the medicine or the science and it has no. everything to do with power. You know, let me ask you, cause I know you got to go, Greg, but a couple more questions. You mentioned that sure. on the election integrity issue, that if, you know, when, when you're elected, you'll repeal some of the things, what are some of the things that you'll try to re- not try to, but that you will repeal work at? Well, I can tell you this. Some of the things that I want to repeal is all these executive orders that are hurting small business, hardworking men and women that are trying to make a living, right? All of these so-called environmental regulations. Remember, we were the ones that said, leave oil and gas alone. And the first thing that the legislature did under his administration was, we're going to uh, reduce, uh, or we're going to make it very difficult for oil and gas to succeed. And so when you look at the regulations that are being done by his agencies, those are the ones that we're going to repeal. I will, under the Lopez administration, I will make sure that we have fair elections. You know, the Secretary of State is ignoring, you know, the facts. And I think everybody, I don't care whether you're a Republican, Democrat, or liberal, uh, libertarian, we just want fair elections. And why is it that we're not even able to see if there was a fair election, right? We talked about it the other day on another uh, conversation I had with someone is that, you know what? The, the idea that there's nothing to see, there's nothing for us to look at, just goes into the face of what public should ask for. And that is, just show us the numbers. Yeah, just show, show us. us. Here's yeah. the big thing, Julie. I'm worried. I want to see what happens next Tuesday at the November election because they're still using the Dominion machines. And there's no reason for us to use any machine. I think it's time we go back to hand counting, standing in line, Get rid of the mail ballot, because if we lose our elections the way we feel right now, we become a third world country. And that's not what America is all about. Well, you've got apparently the one candidate for uh, secretary of state uh, on the Republican side, Pam Anderson, believes we have the gold standard here in Colorado. And and there's zero fraud in the state, Uh, an amazing position. Uh, for one more establishment. Well, yeah, then what do we, we don't need a new secretary of state if that's, if that's the case. Well, Greg, let me. Let, well, let, let him oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, I, I would say, look, that, that's what's concerning, right? It's like the gold standard based on what? You know, <laughs> have you not read the report? Have you not looked it's at it's the based YouTube? on gold, you know, Greg. You know. I suspect. <laughs> I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, but exactly, right? And here's what, here's what a lot of people are saying is, you know, and it's kind of interesting because you have the political pundit say, oh, you can't win on that. Don't say that because you can't win on that. What? We can't say the truth? We yeah. can't challenge what's going on? You know, are we really going to be that type of person that says, well, I'm being told it doesn't work well with the voters, so I'm not going to say anything versus, hey, you know what? Let's ask the right questions. Let's look at it from a very logical standpoint. Why is it that Dominion machines are being used in 62 counties out of the 64? And why is it that one county had to sue the state? 
why even have to use machines at all? Yeah. And the answer I've gotten when I talk to people, the uh, clerks and recorders, well, Greg, if we don't use machines, we'll be here for hours. You mean doing oh! your job? <laughs> oh, I hate when that happens oh, and I can't man. get home. Right? <laughs> and that's why they want to push a button at 7 o'clock at, as soon as the, uh, the hand strikes 7 so that everybody knows who won at 7.03. Right, yeah. right. And, then, and we wow. still don't know. Well, let me, Greg, final question for you. Where can people, for me, where can people, I just want to give you a chance to talk about this. Where can people find out about you? I'm sure you need help, financial help, volunteer help. Where can they? Yeah, look, here's the thing. Go to lopez2022.com. Go to my website. You'll see where I stand. You'll see where I'm going to be across the state. You're going to, if you want to help the campaign and volunteering or make a donation, you know, feel free to do so. But here's the deal. We must find a candidate that can not only win the primary, but can win the general. And I'm the only candidate out there that has actual experience in running different department heads that deal with municipalities and government. And so this is not a popularity contest. We're all applying for a job. We're all applying to be the CEO of the state. And so you must look at who can actually do the job and who can actually connect with voters. And more importantly, make Colorado, Colorado again, because our governor wants to make Colorado into California. And I tell people, you know what, if the governor wants to live in California, he should move to California, but he needs to leave Colorado alone. Well, I I want you to give you a chance to distinguish yourself from Heidi Ganahl. She's your at least the the other one who's announced, announced uh, her her one, and she certainly has um, money support. H- how would you differentiate yourself from Heidi? Well, I can tell you this: uh, the difference that I see between me and Heidi when it comes to experience, actually being able to make good decisions as it pertains to the long term, and have visionary glasses. I was the mayor of the fastest growing city in the nation when I was the strong mayor here in Colorado because Douglas County was the fastest growing county in the nation. And so I have actual experience in being able to make decisions that deal with transportation, with growth, with water, with police protection, with all those types of things. You know, it's different to sit in a position where you have to make strong, difficult decisions versus sitting on a board where you're one of many that are trying to vote, you know, and that's the difference. You know, I also believe that I can connect with all levels of voters from the guy that's digging the ditch to the guy that's sitting in the, in the executive office in that corner office. I've dealt with all those people and we need someone that truly understands the challenges of small business and the challenges that they face when they're trying just to live the Colorado dream and you got government that's choking you and making it harder for you just to make a living. I think those are the difference. And more importantly, I'm going to take a lot of votes out of the urban corridor. I have Democrats calling me right now, Chuck and Julie, saying, hey, Greg, we need to get your nomination because we're sick and tired of this governor. You get through your primary, we'll get you to the general. Because wow. we know who you are, and we know exactly what you stand for, and you've always been fighting for small business and workers, middle-class America. Your record shows that. So we need you to get through your primary. And I'm going to tell you this, and you guys know this. My biggest challenge is not the general. My biggest challenge is the primary. Yeah. I win the primary. Yeah. I'm going to be the next governor of Colorado. All All right. right. Greg, so much appreciate you coming and sharing your time with us. Best of luck. All right. Thank you very much, sir. We'll talk to you soon. All All right. right. You guys take care. God bless. All right. Great. Um, It's um, Lopez2022.com if you want to find out more if you want to help. Let's see, Dr. Donna, I hate to hear the need to have a candidate that we know can win as it's more who can get the job done. Um, Leo, he sounds too much like KKK, um, KBB, you know, Leo and, and Dr. Donna, I, I, Chuck probably can't say this, but I will, I don't think so at all. I think he is, um, 
I think, you know, when you're a political candidate, you say that. I don't think he is like Christy Burton Brown or the establishment Republicans at well, all. Well, all I can say, I can say this, Charlie. Whenever I've asked um, Greg about a position, whether it's something opt out or anything else, he gives you a direct answer. He gives answer. you a straight answer. Yep. Um, whether he's for when it when went down that uh, the red flag uh, law that, that, uh, our AG candidate was was supporting. Craig was adamant against it, while all the other candidates were um, mealy mouthed. Were very mealy mouthed about it. So he's a pretty straight. Yeah, I, I, again, yeah. And if you don't like him, don't vote for him, obviously. But I think at least with Greg, he, he tells you what he thinks, and and I have no reason to think that he won't do what he says because he's a kind of guy who always have. And yes, has. And yes, Doctor Donna, it's Lopez twenty twenty two dot com where you can find out more. I'm sure we'll be having him on again as the time goes and on. We're happy to have Heidi Gunnall on. Right, um, Heidi Gunnall. In fact, we should invite her. Um, and. Uh, so we're happy to have all the candidates on, but yeah, yeah, we'll put anyone on. You know us, no, <laughs> pretty much. Sometimes we get some weird emails. I'm like, um, no, we're not going to put that on. Um, we're, okay, we're going to be talking pretty in a second here. And actually, I don't know, maybe Thomas, you want to go ahead? Or do you want to play the garland? Yeah, somebody. Okay, we're going to play a soundbite. This will make you happy to hear the soundbite. Um, um, and then we're going to get Ken uh, Raposa on. So this was at a hearing today where um, AG Garland is being grilled. Um, um, by a bunch of by Cruz and a bunch of Republican senators. Grassley, Holly, he got he got Tom grilled Cotton. by Tom Cotton. He got grilled. Basically grilled. saying, okay, now that we all know that the fix was in between you, the White House, and the teachers unions to uh, be able to push back against these pesky parents standing up for your children, are you going to take that stupid you know policy directive back that says you're going to throw the FBI at the parents? And he said, oh no, no. But if we could play the Cotton Garland soundbite, please, TJ. School board letter and news reports. That's news right. re- One of the news reports cited in that letter, which you presumably mean, is from Loudoun County, Virginia. No, that's Scott- not. That is not um, uh, what I was talking about. Well, talking it, about- you keep citing news reports, and no. that's the most prominent news report that anyone in America has seen. That refers to Scott Smith, whose 15-year-old daughter was raped. She was raped in a bathroom by a boy wearing girls' clothes, and the Loudoun County School Board covered it up because it would have interfered with their transgendered policy during Pride Month. And that man, Scott Smith, because he went to a school board and tried to defend his daughter's rights, was condemned internationally. Do you apologize to Scott Smith and his 15-year-old daughter, Judge? Senator, anyone whose uh, child was raped as, uh, is the most horrific crime I can imagine and is certainly entitled and protected by the First Amendment to protest to their school board about that. But he was cited by the School Board Association that's fine, as a domestic that's not, terrorist, which we now know that letter and those reports were the basis for your... No, th- this no, is, Senator, this is that's wrong. Shameful. Judge, that's, this is shameful. This, here, this testimony, your directive, your performance is shameful. Okay. That's not... But, cr- thank God you are not on the Supreme Court. You should resign in disgrace, Judge. Like, whoa. whoa. There you <laughs> and go. You think, Didn't mince any words no. there. And you think all this, though he's not taking it back because that was a whole point, right? The White House and the progressives with their horrible agendas, critical race theory, sexualizing the classrooms, um, making kids wear masks and making them, you know, the vaccine mandate is coming down anytime soon now. They need to make the parents shut up. And in order to do that, they said, okay, we're going to throw the FBI at you. You have, uh, this is shocking to me, Greg Lopez said at the Douglas County School Board meeting last night, one of the board members said he felt threatened because one of the parents had an American flag. Now, if that's the kind of thing that's threatening you, we don't want you on a school board in the first place, I would say. I mean, it's just it's just crazy. Um, Okay, well, Dr. Donna, they're talking about Christy Burton Brown here. Um, Well, no, we won't. Yeah, would that surprise me? This is from Dr. Donna. If somebody bitch slapped that man. Um, Chuck, are you the redistricting maps finally done? Uh, Kevin was in the forum last night, and he thought they were as a different set of maps approved uh, 10 days ago. There are maps have been, the maps have all been submitted to the Supreme Court. Right. Um, and they've all been briefed. Um, and, and it's an amazing briefing schedule. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm just amazed by it. So the Republican Party, which I'm 
part of in 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 the executive, executive committee, committee although never consulted uh, nothing is ever consulted it's just whatever the chair wants to do is deemed the republican party um often sometimes we were able to stop her from saying is a Republican Party, and she puts it out in her own name. Um, but apparently the party and the caucuses, the Republican caucuses in the state and the House, um, uh, Senate and the House, said the maps were not what we would draw it up, but they're just great. They're just wonderful. And if you talk to anybody um, about the maps who knows anything about Colorado, they're awful. Not not the congressional maps. Or but I'm the re- House ones. But, the, hey, listen, but that's a well, I know, but let me finish the statement. Um, and so I'm, you know, I don't mind being put in a in a in a district which which we could win. Um, but uh, whenever they're approved or changed by the Supreme Court, then 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 I will be in the new district. So well, we can, yeah, we can. Um... That's a topic. That's a big topic, and you well, get that a big topic, but, but let's let. But let's go on to the supply chain. That's right. We've got with us Ken Raposa. He's an industry analyst for the Coalition for a Prosperous America, a former staff for a foreign correspondent for the Wall Street Journal, and a senior contributor to Forbes covering China since 2011. Hey, Ken, thank you for your time, and thanks for joining us here on the Chuck and Julie Show. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Okay, so the White House tells us there's no supply chain crisis, um, but I know because I do the grocery shopping for our family and I buy gasoline and things like that, there is a supply chain crisis. Why don't you talk to us about where you're coming from and what we need to do about it? Well, yes, there absolutely is a supply chain crisis, and there's there's many reasons for it, right? Uh, One of the reasons is all the lockdowns we've had over over the last uh, several months, some countries still in lockdown, like Australia. China over the last over the summer actually had some of its factories in, in lockdown, and of course we could argue that China is doing this on purpose just to screw around with our supply chains, and that's that's probably also true. Um, and you also have an instance where over the last several months Americans were either home not working because they were getting uh, very generous stimulus checks, and they were shopping on Amazon, of which is you know basically a virtual mall connecting American consumers to. Uh, Guangzhou, China. So, you know, all those things are loaded up on ships. There's a lot of them coming in, and there's no, none of our stuff going out. And so all of it leads to a big bottleneck. What? Um, so let's talk a little bit about China. I, I want to address, because I kind of was saying this too, and I'm no expert like you are, but I'm like, I wouldn't be surprised if China was doing this on purpose to mess with us. I mean, after all, they have all the products. We're the ones, if, if you're in China and you want to buy something over there, I imagine you can get it. I mean, how much of that do you think is, is actually what's going on? Uh, it depends on the product. So I'll give you two products, for example. One is polysilicon. This is an, an ingredient, if you will, that goes into baking your solar panel, right? So a solar panel doesn't get made without polysilicon. Semiconductor microchips and so on don't get made without polysilicon. Uh, China is a big producer of that, the world's largest. And we banned a lot of it coming out of Xinjiang province. That's the western Chinese province that's home to uh, tens of thousands of Uyghur Muslims who are being held against their will. Uh, I'll also say that it's the, also the home of the live-action filming of Disney's Milan, for some reason. Yeah. Oh, they decided to film it there, but we'll, we'll, you know, we don't know why. Um, so China will has polysilicon produced in other p- p- parts of the country, but they recently, as, well, as recent as a month ago, told their producers to reduce production of polysilicon, despite the fact that western province of Xinjiang is banned from selling polysilicon to the American solar supply chain. So by choking that off, solar prices go up, there's a number of reasons why China wants to do that. The other thing, semiconductors. China just hoarded it, bought a lot of it, kept it probably in a warehouse somewhere, rotting for all we know, because they know it drives up prices. Okay, right. They know that it, it, it hurts American supply chains for things that, as you know, cars, for example, aren't being rolled out because you don't, can't get enough uh, of these semiconductors. Right. And China went in and bought a whole bunch of them. It happened at the beginning of the pandemic. China did what? You know, vacuumed up a lot of... Uh, gowns and masks from around the world, okay? So China's notorious for doing this, and they, the reason why they do it, the reason why they do this, uh, Chris, uh, Chuck, and Julie, is because they know that they can count on big business in America, big business in Europe, Wall Street, to say, look how indispensable China is. We can't keep beating up on these guys. We can't keep going forward with trade war, because this is what happens, so uh-huh. China can choke off a supply chain because they know that their friends, 
willing, unwilling, conscious or unconscious, can, will say, and they do say it, that we can't keep up with this on China. Otherwise, this is what you get. So it, it works. The supply chain crush right now works in China's favor because, again, you will have Bloomberg write about this. Others will talk. Larry Fink from BlackRock will go on CNBC and talk about this, right. and they'll basically say that we've got to work with China because they're going to open up the spigot on the supply chain and we'll be okay. Let me ask a stupid but basic question. Wouldn't a, a, if I were a business, it, and it seems to me that a, a big solution would be to just start making the stuff here so I don't have to ship it halfway around the world or have it shipped halfway around the world, sit in a port in a container. I can just buy it here and right. right here. I, yes, exactly. That makes much more sense. It's also, you know, if you care about climate justice, like the buzzword now, right, that's been around for the last four or five years, right, uh, you have you, you produce less and you, you pollute less because you're producing at home. Your shipping costs or shipping isn't, isn't as big of a deal. But you have to understand this topic of making things in the United States actually is relatively new, honestly. I mean, of course, there are many manufacturers who wanted to make things in the United States. They wanted to keep their business alive. But the concept of making things in the United States really became a thing, a serious thing, not just a campaign issue under Trump. Right. Mm -hmm. And we can say that Biden certainly hasn't rolled it back. You know, he hasn't really pushed forward, but he certainly talks about it. But he hasn't he hasn't rolled it back. OK, um, say what you want about Biden. But this really is a new phenomenon. So that so it's going to take a while for companies to decide they're going to move supply chains out, out of China. And they are. But where are they moving them? Unfortunately, they're not all moving them here. They're moving them to mm -hmm. Mexico. They're moving well, them to Southeast Asia. Asia. So right. but they are moving them out of China, but they're just not moving them here. About then with a with a container um, issue. I mean, from what you see, I guess they were so, they were saying so they don't have enough trucks, um, and because in part of some of the laws in in California um, to get the stuff out of the containers to ship out. But now I was reading they're going to start fining the container companies for not emptying the container. I mean, it it just seems like. That's we see those pictures. Is that something that and the Biden administration seems to tell us, well, it's all because we're so successful and it'll it'll settle itself and solve itself here relatively shortly. Do you think that's the case? Well, on regulate I've heard this question before too. On regulation in California, like certain trucks had to be this type of diesel or whatever or whatever it was, right? right? Sort of the greening of the truck fleet, right? And that was sort of right getting people less interested in, in, in working. Um, I don't know a lot about that. I'm sure any kind of regulation will impact business, right, especially if it's a new regulation as businesses try to figure it out. But honestly, this whole supply chain issue at the ports, right, it's really from – it really has been going on for almost a year now. And let, let me just back up a second. So it's a, in the, probably in the beginning of the summer, what you actually had happen, and this is one of the reasons – this is one of the causes of this, is you had companies like the big shipping lines, like Maersk, right, you've seen the – Maersk written on the side of trucks, uh, big trucks before. And if you go to a port, you'll see Maersk written there. I think, it's, I think it's German, certainly European. And what they would do is they'd get a big container in from China or somewhere in Asia. They'd unload it at the port, and they would send it back to China empty. Empty, sure. okay? Because they would load up the China goods or load up the Vietnamese goods here, and Americans couldn't get their stuff out. So as this stuff started to change, it just created a whole – a whole, you know, like, like sort of like, I don't really know how to explain it because it's all very new to everyone, right? That's why there's such a crisis right now because it's, this, this has never happened before. So no one really, so the language, so I personally don't have the language to really describe it, but it's sort of like a fisherman's knot. If you and I have never tied a fisherman's knot and I gave you one, we wouldn't know how to, how to untie it. Uh, I can untie my okay. shoes, but if you gave me a fisherman's knot, you know, I'm not going to figure out how to get that untied. And if I did, I'm never going to be able to replicate it. So that's what's happening right now. You've had the supply chains have been messed with for so long because of the lockdowns, because of China as well, because of these big multinational shipping companies shipping literally empty containers back to Asia to load up with Asian goods to come back here. It's just, it just created a mess. One ugly, no, bad fisherman's knot that even the fisherman himself doesn't know how the hell he tied him. Yeah. Well, well, luckily, I, I assume that the, the Secretary of Transportation, yeah, Pete Buttigieg, Pete Buttigieg is coming off. <laughs> well, he's on off. maternity leave or paternity leave or whatever it is, so he's not, he's well, not around. He's coming off that paternity leave any time now. <laughs> any time now. Sometime, he's been on some Zoom calls. Uh, so he'll, he'll be That's back in the, in the saddle, ready to solve the problem, uh, because I'm sure... He knows how to uh, untie those fisherman knots. Right, you know? right. Yep, yep. I'm sure. I'm sure he does. 
And this is so. I mean, our- it's it's. I'm sure it'll work. I'm sure it'll work out eventually, right? I mean, because it, it has to, right? It has to eventually, work out, right? Yeah. I mean, well, either- what are they going to do? Prices, and this is from one of our listeners. They can chat. It says, you know, fisherman's not. That's why you should always carry a knife. Um, <laughs> let me go back to something because I was reading another article um, that you had written about about the Davos man, and and uh-huh. I. I you were, and it all ties in together. Can you, and I think that is really interesting. Can you talk about that a little bit? Sure. Okay. Well, I don't know how, how tune in your, your listeners are to the Davos, well, you know, what's known as the Davos they universe. Know Davos. But it's all, yes. they know Davos. Are, are, they, are they know it? Do you guys know? You guys know oh, this? Oh, yeah. Some, some have all been right, So Davos. you know Davos Man. So, yes, so Davos Man, see, we're in what I like to call, what I like to call a non-kinetic war, right? So we're not firing missiles at one another, but we're, in, we're on a two-pronged, non-kinetic war, and one of them is China, okay? And the other one is the enemy within, okay? And this is what, this is the Davos crowd. And the Davos crowd, incidentally, loves China. You know, to them, to them, the China model is great. The anti-chaos, centralized control, they love this. To them, the only problem with the CCP, the Chinese Communist Party, as I said in that essay, is that it's not woke enough. It doesn't celebrate Pride Month. Okay, that's the only problem. Everything else is fine with China. Clearly yeah. everything else is fine with China. Well, they like they, they, they he, think that slavery thing of the Uyghurs is... is they don't is, have a problem is, with that. They don't have a problem. How can Disney, a multinational corporation, not know about Xinjiang? I know it. Yeah. You know it. Yeah. I know well, about but, it. You know but, about but, it. How can, how can no one at Disney's executive branch... Executive office know about Xinjiang, and how dumb do you have to be? You know, as I said in the essay, to 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 pick that of all places. Well, you pick it because China promotes it. China China plays these guys like fiddles. You know, so this these guys are a bigger problem for us than China because without them sourcing everything from China, without them being dependent on China, without them singing China's praises because the China consumer, the China market, whatever it may be. China would just be a paper tiger. It would be bothering Hong Kong or you saber-rattling with Taiwan. It would be driving the Tibetans crazy, but it wouldn't be bothering us. And the right. reason why China is big and bad is because we're its Dr. Frankenstein, and that comes right from the Davos crowd, the globalists, the multinationals, big Wall Street firms, London bond lords, and so on, that turn China into the monster that it is today. How about the Wall Street Journal? He used to work. Well, you know, the Wall Street <laughs> Journal, in a lot of ways, is finally waking up to China as being as yeah. being a problem. You know, right? Well, and talk a little Everyone bit. Everyone is I mean, waking up to China being a problem. You know, uh, and well, except the Davos crowd. So it's a battle. It really, it, we, it's, it really is going. It's going to be a. It's going to be a battle because, again, China represents this centralized system that that crowd, right? Sort of the big corporate crowd. They 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 love this, right? right. Th- there's no chaos. I know where my I know where my products are going to go. There's no there's no democracy, right? There's no no one's going to hand me Brexit. No one's going to elect a populist trade man, trade uh, war guy. Uh, that's not going to happen. Okay, they hate that stuff, right? right? So they love the CCP model. They want to emulate it. They're just wokeifying it for us. And so they, these guys are probably a bigger problem to us than China itself, because again, they support China and they are the growth story of China. And as as you said, you know, they're still making money, right? If they, if you're, if, for instance, I got my hair cut the other day and the the lady who does my hair was complaining because of the supply chain problems. She couldn't get certain hair colors, right? Which is just one lady in one salon. Um, But if you're Amazon, I'm I'm sure they don't really have supply chain issues that bad, or at least not that they can't do it. I mean, well, some, but, but I mean, it's like these corporations, am I right, are big enough that, that what they want to do really, I think is crush the small business person too, but they're, they're big enough that they can weather these storms, so to speak. Of course they can weather it, but they're affected. I mean, you know, what they're going to do about it is, is, is unknown, but I'm right, curious. exactly. They can they 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 deal with it. Could look look at Ford, for example. Don't you? Right. You know, Ford Motor Company obviously would like to be churning out more new cars. They get more money for new cars than they do a used one, obviously. But they can't because they don't have the, the semiconductors to to you know computerize the car. Um, so they're also in, impacted. But you know, as you said, a, a smaller business is even more impacted, especially if they're dependent on you know those big companies, right? Those big original equipment right. makers. Uh, because they're they're not getting the orders right. So if, if Ford is making cars, and I'm a carburetor maker for for Ford, and you know 
well, Ford's not making any new cars. Well, I don't, I'm not getting my 10,000 orders of carburetors, you know, right. every, every half a year. Now I'm only getting 2,000 orders. So, you know what I mean? So, so of course, it, effect, it affects everyone. What, what, what's your view on the Evergrande crisis? So the Evergrande crisis, the Ever, Evergrande is a, as you know, is a big real estate giant. It's probably going to go belly up. China is going to have to save it in some way. So my only view on China on that is, well, I have two views on that. One, China has to save at the very least the employees and the people who bought homes and weren't going to get, aren't going to get them delivered, because it's very important for China to maintain that social contract with the right. Chinese people. Okay, right. so they you cannot have China cannot say, oops, I'm sorry, we're you know we're opening up, we're just like the Western capitalists now. We're gonna hey, it's like Enron, <laughs> hey, you, you, it's all done. Sorry, your China, sorry. Chinese aren't gonna, they're not gonna, yeah, they're not gonna buy that because that's not what they've been sold. Okay, right, so they're not gonna buy that. So China is you know Xi Jinping is common prosperity, yada yada, and so you know letting these people who spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on a house that's not going to be delivered to them, or letting these employees go unpaid for months. Uh, that's that's not going to go down. Now, bondholders, you know, who cares about Chinese bondholders? China has three trillion dollars sitting in central bank reserves. They could pay those guys off. The guys who won't get paid off, though, is you know the likes of BlackRock or Goldman or Vanguard right. if they own Evergrande bonds. You know, right. the, the million dollar question is if they got you know say they have ten million dollars. Sure, it's a small holding, but let's say they have ten, twenty, fifty million dollars in Evergrande bonds that go to zero. The question is, I'd love to see this. Do they go to Wall Street and say, "Does Wall uh, Washington say, hey, can you bail us out?" I, I hope, I hope right. that doesn't happen. There would be zero. There should be zero tolerance for that. I think there would be. I think that would just blow up Wall Street if they, if they did that. Well, I'm sure there's some provision oh. in in the uh, in the 3.5 trillion dollars right thing to, to, to pay, pay off people, people all who lost money. Well, doesn't the whole BlackRock empire doesn't it have tendrils and everybody's married to people in the Biden administration? I mean, aren't there a lot of interconnections there in the first place? Well, I don't know. I don't know about um, their 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 uh, you know their love affairs with with uh, with you know the Biden administration. But BlackRock, Goldman Sachs, for the most part, they have been very entwined in the Treasury Department, right? So mm-hmm. that's where most of the Wall Street guys go. They work in Treasury. They leave Treasury. They go back and work in Goldman. They advise Treasury, right? I mean, of course, they advise the Fed. They are the Fed. So that's how that works. And I will say something, as you brought out BlackRock, that's very interesting, because there is a new ad campaign coming out that's targeting BlackRock. You'll see the ads on cable news in, uh, in the next couple of weeks. It's targeting BlackRock's relationship with China. So that's going to be something that's coming out in the next few York. Who's behind that? Who's funding that? Oh, yeah, it's a, it's a new company. It was created this year. Uh, the company itself is called Consumer, Re- Consumer Research Association or something like that. And, and the project itself is called the Consumer's First Initiative. So huh. I'm writing something up about this, and I'll put it on my yeah, Twitter feed, and I'll nice. put it up on Forbes. Oh, okay, well, all right, well, that's, uh, that's my final question for you then, because we've got to let you go here. Where, I mean, oh, you're, this is fascinating. Where, where can people find you, read more about you, and I'll have to get you back on the show, too. Oh, sure, sure. So Prosperous America is a think tank and advocacy group. Our website is prosperousamerica.org, and I'm an industry analyst for them and an advocate, so I, I write for their website as well. Of course, doing research and all the stuff that's not on there, but you'll find me there. And on Twitter, I'm at, my Twitter handle is, if you're a Twitter person, is BrickBreaker, and Brick is B-R-I-C. You, okay. have, you haven't been thrown off Twitter? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, no, but don't get me started. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. If you keep criticizing China, you and you. <laughs> yeah, you may be. Jack Dorsey is, is listening yeah. to this. Well, I'm not, I'm not a blue check mark, so that kind of keeps me under the radar of the, uh, you know, <laughs> of, of, the, of the Twitterati, I guess. Of the, of, you know, so it's, it, it keeps me under the radar. So. All right, great. Well, right. so much thanks for coming on. You've been great. A lot of fun having you. Thank you, Ken. All right. Appreciate it. Have a good night. All right. Bye-bye. Yeah, Ken Raposa there. I mean, he was, he was great. Yeah, uh, you know, was I was reading his his um, column on the Davos man. I suggest just look that up. I mean, and, and I don't know if Sherry is listening, um, but but there's a, a lot of Agenda 21 kind of stuff. Ooh. He doesn't really talk about that specifically, but the whole point is these, as you said, these international global corporations and the ties to China and how it all kind of fuels together. And yeah. and like he said, it's, you know, there, there's I think he's I hadn't even thought about the fact that that BlackRock and these people are going to end up going to the White House or the federal government and say, hey, can you bail us out on of a China basis. loan? Uh, you know, yeah, on gender equity. equity basis that we should get 
billions from every man, woman, and child, whatever gender they are, right. they can supply us with all their money. Because we lost money in a bad investment yeah. in China, so, so so we need you to bail us out. That would never happen, Chuck. No, the federal government would no, never bail out no, a big business, would it? No, no, we're free market. We're a free yeah. market system. We're capitalism to the nth degree. Well, we're, Wait, we're, let me. I was going to tease uh, Friday. Well, so I was going to tease. Friday. Okay, go ahead then. <laughs> okay. Great minds. <laughs> Friday party. Friday, we're going to do a special on what, Julie? <laughs> um. So it, the January sixth. I think I'm not going to call. I'm not going to call it insurrection. The January sixth. Capital, capital capital stuff breach. Okay, well, capital breach. What, I mean, you guys may have been reading Tucker Carlson had it the other night. Revolver uh, News has been doing a great job. Um, it looks like the whole place was crawling with FBI agents and FBI informants demanding every other people invade the the, the Capitol. Right, and they they they'd push them out to the barricade line, push them, and then go back and get more people. And oh, this is perfect, Leo. I love this. The January sixth Capitol tour, and this real quick from. <laughs> Jacob, BlackRock wants to buy any and all properties in foreclosure. That's also true. Yeah, that BlackRock is a whole huge funds is for a that. whole thing. But it, but that's a different show. But we want to we're going to look into some of the evidence that the Revolver News folks have been coming up with, and it really certainly appears that not only were there just FBI informants yeah. there, but there were actual FBI instigators, and that's coming out agent provocateurs. That's coming called. out all over the place. I mean, even the FBI and everyone has had to admit that there wasn't a lot of planning. Um, going on. And, and, they, and whatever planning there was, they did it. Yeah, but so we're going to take a, a kind of a close look at that. I mean, who knows what else will come up? And I think we'll keep staying on the school board stuff because, again, the whole point of it is, is to try to scare us into silence. And I really do think the time has come when we just start saying, no, sorry, not going to do it. Not going to comply. Resist. That's what you should do. Hey, remind you all, you can always get all of our shows at any podcast, whatever your preferred podcast listening um, is at um, chuckandjulie.com. We're up on Rumble. We're up on Substack, which I'm not even really clear how to work, but we seem to be having our shows up there. Um, And um, please feel free to subscribe to the newsletter too. I put that out once a week. Um, It's free. I don't spam you because I don't know how to. <laughs> well, she will once you figure well, it out. I don't know. I won't. I won't. Hey, everybody, thank you so much for listening. Thank you to our two guests and the folks at BBS Radio. We'll see you on Friday. All right. Take care, everyone.